everyone, and welcome back to the Humans of James River. I'm your host, Ireland Rogan, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 8. And you'll be hearing from my great friend, Ava Cherry, who is a senior at James River High School. She'll be talking about her sister's battle against cancer, and I hope that you all enjoy. When I was 10 years old, we were just in the middle of moving and we were building a house. So I was in an apartment with a family of five. So we were all crammed in there. And my sister was having these really weird episodes where she would just get really sick and super nauseous and go to sleep and wake up and be completely fine. And we knew that wasn't normal. But the pediatrician would just tell us it's a virus. It's okay. It'll go away. But it never did. And so my mom kind of, she demanded blood work. And the blood work came back normal. So then we got a CT scan. And I remember the CT scan very well that entire day. My brother was over at a sleepover. So it was just me and the babysitter. And my dad was, I think, at work. And my mom took my sister to get the CAT scan. Then I just kind of spent the day like normal. We went out, we got lunch at Five Guys, and I had a little bacon cheeseburger. I remember that. And then I remember things started taking a turn. As soon as my babysitter started acting weird, she took me to my mom's best friend's house or office. And I was kind of confused why we were there. And she was trying to explain how Lauren was in the hospital. And I was like, oh, she'll only be there for a day. Don't worry about it. And she was like, no, I think it's a little more serious than that. But I was so adamant about it that it was like only going to be one day. It wasn't going to be long. It was no big deal. But little did I know what was about to happen. And so I go home. It was probably like five days after my brother's birthday. So we had a giant cake sitting in the freezer. So I just took a giant slice and I sat down and I remember there was nothing on TV. So I watched an episode of Gravity Falls and I remember exactly which episode I watched. And I remember taking a huge piece because I was like, you know, when you're a sibling, you want to just have the biggest piece of cake. Um, And then all of a sudden my grandparents who lived in Tennessee at the time, so six hours away, show up at my door, and they're like, get in the car, Ava, you need to go. We're going to the hospital. And I was really confused what was going on. I had no idea. I was super in denial. I was like, everything's fine. Lauren's fine. She's going to be coming home tonight. But my grandparents, they explained the whole situation. She had the CT scan revealed that she had a mass the size of an egg, in what they described as the park place and of her brain, so right in the middle, which is the most difficult part to get to. And they didn't know what it was. They didn't know if it was cancerous or an abscess or a cyst or what it was. But it was building, it was clogging the spinal fluid from draining down her brain into her spine. And it was building up so much pressure in her brain that it was causing the headaches and the nausea. And if it had kept going on, you guys can kind of guess what would have happened. 
But so she had to have emergency surgery to get a, I believe it was a shunt, a temporary shunt in her head. And I remember that was like the longest drive. It was the longest 30 minutes of my entire life driving from my house to the hospital. And as soon as I got there, my parents were sitting in the waiting room and I don't remember what we talked about. They were just kind of quiet and I just kind of sat there. And then uh, I heard some screaming coming from the hospital doors or like the room over. And I recognized that as my sister, which was really scary And so a nurse came in and said, she's awake. You guys can come in now. And so everybody, you know, got up and rushed to the room, but I kind of lagged behind, really hesitant to go in. And as soon as I came in, I just was like in shock. I saw my sister in a hospital bed with three nurses holding her down And my parents by the bed, like telling her, no, 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 don't pull out the shunt. Don't pull out the shunt. You need that. And she was freaking out. Like, I I can't imagine a three-year-old just having no idea what's going on, waking up as if it's normal and then going into emergency surgery and just, it's crazy. And so I found a seat in the corner of the room and I just kind of, um, blacked out. Like, I don't really remember what happened. The next thing I remember is my dad came over and he was like, are you okay? We're going to send you to a friend's house for the night. And I went to the friend's house for the night and that was the end of that day. That was definitely one of the most memorable days of my life. Like I can tell you almost every single detail of leading up to it. But progressing from that day, I would say about um, two weeks later-ish, Lauren had spine um, brain surgery, and it was very, very high-risk surgery. Um, they Their goal was to remove as much of the brain tumor as they possibly could, and it was successful. Um, nothing too bad from the surgery happened. We just think that it it kind of caused some nerve damage with the movement of her left leg and like the left side of her body. But overall, she still came out the Lauren that we know and love. And so that was a really big win for us. And then they tested the tumor and they found that it was cancerous, which We all hoped it wouldn't be, but we kind of had an idea that it was. And they came back and they said it was pineoblastoma, which only about 100 people, 100 cases per year are diagnosed with that kind of cancer. So it's really rare. It mostly happens in children. And it was caused by this syndrome that my sister has. Lots of the population live with this syndrome, but they say it's not activated. Lauren's is activated. So when she's younger, it causes her body to like form these abnormalities and they cysts and grow masses. And some of them do become cancerous. So later on down the road, 
we found that she had lung cysts. And so she became the second known case in the entire world to have the type of brain cancer that she did and the type of lung cysts that she does. Thankfully, the lung cysts were not cancerous. They and they had to get removed later down the road. But we still had a long battle ahead of us. We had months and months of chemotherapy. Lauren was in the hospital pretty much all the time. I spent most of my weekends in the hospital. Most people kind of, in my eyes, going through this experience, forget about the sibling and when their sibling is battling cancer because they're just more focused on the kid that's getting the treatment. Nobody really stops to ask, are you okay? So I never really took a second to make sure I was okay. I just tried to be like that positive person, the one that always like, I can't see my life without Lauren. So there's always going to be a life with Lauren. But my parents, you know, they tried to keep it as safe as they could. They tried to protect me from knowing her odds, her chances, um, what was going on, the extremity of treatment, that sort of thing. I actually found out she had cancer from asking my parents. They didn't want to tell me. So I just, my there was doctors and they took my parents outside and I followed them and I said, does my sister have cancer? And they said, yes, that was really hard. I, I don't remember really showing too much emotion. Then a lot of people would always ask me how, like, how's your sister doing? And I would tell them, I'd say, yeah, she's doing well. And I would go into the whole spiel, but you can kind of tell that some people lose interest And so at some point you just start pretending like, oh, everything's going great. She's doing really well. You kind of fabricate it so people don't have to see the bad. My brother and I, we were pretty much on our own most of the time. So my grandma quit her job and moves from Tennessee into our house to live with us and raise my brother while my sister was battling cancer. And my parents were always gone. My dad would sometimes come home for dinner, shower, and then leave again. My mom, she was almost always there. She never really came home. My brother and I, we would go to school like normal, and then we'd come home, shower, change our clothes, throw them in the washing machine. Our school and our backpacks had to be out of the living room because we could not bring any school germs home. Lauren's immune system from the chemotherapy was super low and she couldn't, we couldn't risk getting her sick. It wasn't worth it to, it wasn't, it just wasn't a something we could risk. So no friends were over. It's really similar to what's going on now where I couldn't see friends like pretty much isolation is the word. I spent most of my weekends in the hospital room, just like hanging out with Lauren. We would play iPad a lot. We played like this little spy mouse game. We thought it was so fun. And <laughs> we would just uh, just have fun. She was the sassiest person you would ever meet. 
She would like tell everyone where to sit in the hospital room, but she got her way always. (laughs) It was funny, but it was really difficult during that time because I felt like I wanted to do more to help, but I felt like there was nothing that I could do to help. So the way I solved that was just being that positive person for everyone. And even people that weren't involved in it, I was just always super positive. And that was kind of my way of coping, which I think is a pretty good way of coping. I think my brother, I don't, I don't know how he coped. We didn't really talk about it. We just kind of thought life was normal. Like this was what it was going to be like now. And I remember one day we were at the pool and I asked him like how he was doing. And he said he was scared and he doesn't show a lot of emotion. And that was definitely, we just kind of sat there and looked at each other and just kind of, there's like just there. Just the whole experience was so eye-opening it really makes you take a step back and think about what really matters in life. Like all those silly drama or like forgetting being late to something or just like anything, like getting the homework done the night is due. Like it really puts in perspective. Like if a three-year-old can get cancer, my sister, you like, you just never expect it. If that can happen to me, then I, you just have to appreciate everything that comes your way and you just have to enjoy the little moments. The little moments are what matter more than the big. They happen more often. Miracles do happen. You just have to take a second and really look for them. Lauren, we call her our little miracle because she's our little unicorn. The doctors call her the purple unicorn. (laughs) She's, She's definitely something. She's got that little fighting spirit. I think that really served her well throughout the whole battle. It's really funny because sometimes she'll like, she'll get scared over a shot and I'm like, you had brain surgery. (laughs) You can do this. (laughs) But I, I completely understand where she's coming from. Like I can't imagine the amount of times that she's been poked or she's had probably over like a dozen surgeries and I would be scared of that too. But kind of keeping along with the story, I'll get back on track now. Lauren probably had about six months of chemotherapy around there. And we got into a spot, we didn't call it remission. We called it kind of waiting, waiting to see if something changed, to see if it came back if the brain tumor grew or shrunk or whatever happened. And probably about a year later, we started noticing these symptoms all over again. And in between that time, I had spinal surgery. I didn't think it was too big of a deal because comparing it to what my sister had gone through, it really didn't seem like that big of a procedure. But I did have an experimental spinal tethering surgery that was successful. And I was probably the 90th person to get the surgery. So it was super new. 
And I can't imagine what my parents were going through, like having my sister battle cancer for around like a year, me then going right into me having spinal surgery for scoliosis. And then right after that, like as soon as I recovered that summer, Lauren relapsed and we had to pretty much have a whole new game plan. The doctors were like, we've never seen it not come back and we've never seen someone survive it. And that is very like defeating. But my dad always told me no matter what the odds are, even if you have a chance, just take it. Like take the chances and fight like hell and do as much as you can to get through that. And that's exactly what Lauren did. She fought like hell. And my parents and Lauren, they came up with a game plan. They moved to Philadelphia to receive treatment at CHOP, which is Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. That was probably the most difficult time for Jackson and I was not having that sibling parent interaction. It was us alone with our grandparents again, which I cannot thank my grandparents enough for being there for us during that time, quitting their job, living with us. It was the best situation that my brother and I could have been in, in this awful scenario. Um, And Lauren, the treatment that Lauren was receiving at CHOP was brain radiation and spinal radiation. So her entire brain was radiated, which she was, I believe she was six at the time, which that's super detrimental to a child's learning and processing because their brain isn't developed or isn't developed fully till I think they're at least like 21. So Lauren's brain kind of really slowed down the developing after that. Her spine, the cancer spread to her spine at this point. So she had to get her spine radiated. And just the whole combination of the two made her body stop growing completely. So she was kind of frozen at six and a half years old. The treatment itself almost killed Lauren. It was so harsh, so extreme that she became, she wouldn't eat. She was so, so skinny and so fragile, so weak. She was so pale all the time. It was really, you didn't really notice the difference. I never did. But when you look back at pictures, you can see, you can see it. It was really difficult to see that. My parents, they would just, they did everything they can. And they eventually gave her a feeding tube, which if she didn't get that, that would have been the end. And thank goodness she did. We started giving her more food 
And she started eating more. She started gaining her strength back. But right as soon as she started gaining her strength back, she was back into chemotherapy. She was having uh, she was having another side treatment. I don't remember what it's called, but it's some sort of like, I think it's like this medicine is similar to chemotherapy, but not the same. And so she was receiving, I think, three different treatments all at once chemotherapy and two others. But at this point they moved back home. So they spent three months receiving treatment in Philadelphia. And then they moved back home to receive the chemotherapy at VCU. So my family was back home. That was so really nice. I got to see them more often I got to be there for my sister. One of the things the doctors always said was make it as normal as possible. Have as much family interaction as possible. Having siblings around was a huge thing. I remember my parents would always tell me, Ava, you just have to make it pretend like normal. When you're around her, talk to her like normal. Don't mention anything about treatment. Just play. So that's what I did. And I remember we would just kind of go explore. We would walk around, take laps around the nurse's station. I brought her a football because the Washington Redskins training camp was in Richmond. And so I went and I got RG3 to sign the football and I gave it to Lauren and she thought it was the coolest thing. And I, I just, she wasn't able to be there, but I was able to bring something to her. And then eventually Lauren got to come home. And since then, we haven't, knock on wood, had to have any more treatment since then. She has been stable for about three years, three or four years. She's 10 now. She's about to turn 11 in February. She's in fourth grade, I believe, or third. I think it's fourth. (laughs) And learning is definitely a struggle. She struggles a lot with social interactions. Some people make fun of her because her processing is slower, which that just makes me want to, you know, just to go like, are you kidding me? She's been through so much. Like, I know it makes me want to. And... But I guess you can't expect elementary schoolers to understand what that's like. So that's pretty much the story in short of when my sister was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Ava. And, you know, I... I've only interacted with your sister a couple of times, but she is just incredible. And I know we've talked before, she's literally one in a million. She is a little purple unicorn. She is just absolutely amazing. And those kids who make fun of her or whatever, they definitely don't understand. And I, one day they will. And then they're going to look back and be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that. But just... Lauren, can I come to me, come to you? We'll back her up. She's an absolute boss. And just what you and your family has gone through has been so hard. And just 
you know, three years strong, like I said, knock on wood, um, Mm -hmm. just, you guys are really incredible. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, so I do have a couple of questions. Um, so the first one is what have you learned from your sister? Um, just in general, like, you know, through her strengths and everything that she's been through, any like key things that you've learned from her? So from Lauren specifically, I've learned you can't underestimate the strength of that a child could have. I've also learned that you really just have to take everything one day at a time. It's really important when there's something like cancer treatment or something even as small as like you're trying to get to the test, you just really got to take it one day at a time, not take it all at once because then it becomes overwhelming and it gets to be too much. So once you kind of step back, take it one step at a time, one day at a time, you can make it through with your sanity, if that makes sense. I'm trying to think about something that she's taught me. Something she's been teaching me recently. It's not something she taught me during her treatment or anything is I have high expectations for Lauren. I think she can do all the things that a normal kid can do. But I know sometimes that's unrealistic. So sometimes I see myself scaling my expectations back for her. But then she goes and she shows me this like whole new side of her, this whole new complex understanding that I didn't know she had. And we just sit down and we have a conversation and I'll tell her about like, you know, the silly high school drama and she'll give me this amazing advice and It's really just eye-opening to see how somebody who's been through so much and she isn't, she's not even aware of how much she's gone through. She thinks it's normal. Like she's like, she'll talk about when other kids had cancer when they were younger and we're like, no, they didn't have cancer. (laughs) You're special. (laughs) And you just kind of learn that don't judge a book by its cover. Everyone can surprise you. You don't always know what's going on behind the scenes, what the person's going through internally or in their life, but they can surprise you and they can be there for you even when you least expect it. Thank you. That... I mean, that's the the piece where you said that she's like, oh, yeah, like all the other little kids had cancer, too. And they like, no, that's no. And that's just I can I although I don't know her well, I feel like she's very self like selfless in that. Mm-hmm. Like, just she's not thinking about like she's like, oh, this is not like, no, you've been through something so unique and crazy as such a young girl. No, she's she's totally incredible. Um and I know you had kind of touched on this before, but um, is there any like anything that really stands out to you in which like 
stuff that helped you keep going and keep having hope, even when the doctors were like, she'll most likely not live. And obviously she beat those odds, but mm-hmm. what things helped you get through that and just keep hope? So the doctor said she had a less than 5% chance survival, which when you look at that, you think, wow, those are really small. I did not know those chances. My parents didn't tell me that. They just told me it was very slim. I took the approach on, I can't see my life without Lauren, so there's going to not be a life without Lauren. And to cope with it, I just put on a smile. Like I just, I was really... I wouldn't say that I wasn't happy because I never really had too many big sad moments. I'm the only one, but I just was the glass half full. That's what my family called me. That's what the doctors said. They would take me around. The doctors would explain everything they were doing to my sister There was one doctor in Philadelphia that took me behind the scenes and showed me everything that they were doing, all the new technology. He explained how it worked and all this stuff. And having that personal connection with the doctors, seeing how much time and effort they put into helping my sister, really the support that we had was um, insane. Like, People would bring us dinner on weeknights and then people would come and they'd visit Lauren in the hospital. They'd bring stuffed animals, local charities helped us. They just provided every single support, doctors, medical staff, friends, um, all those people just were so crucial to getting through this entire process. I don't think I could have done it without them. Yeah, they just really made the process that much easier. And that's why I'm doing my entire capstone now is because I, I know all the support that needs to go into these children that are battling cancer to help these families, the children, this family, they need this support more than people realize and just knowing how hard the doctors were working, knowing we had the support system, knowing how hard my sister was fighting. And that was how I kept hope that it'd be okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the support, like I think in every scenario, any, hard time you're going through no matter what it is like just universally like having that support system and that group of people that that are there for you is so important and now I'd like to give you would, would you like to shout out your capstone because I think you should because it's definitely a support <laughs> group totally so my capstone <laughs> is the RV purple perspective blog And on that platform, I interview children, doctors. I'm planning on interviewing a few more kind of different perspectives that have been involved in childhood cancer. 
And I write about their experiences, what they've been through, why they're doing it, um, the treatment that they went through, what makes their situation unique. And the really unique part about my capstone is I come up with advice that the reader can take from their experiences and put it in their own lives. And right now, the recent one that I've done, I've compared it to how right now with quarantining and the pandemic going on, it's so similar to what these children have to face. And the girl that I interviewed, Savannah, she talks about how she uses the same tactic as she did when she was battling cancer that she does now. She said, I take everything one day at a time. I don't worry about what yesterday had. I don't worry about tomorrow holds. I worry about the now. And I take it one step at a time. Yeah. And I love your capstone. I read your blog, obviously got support, but also it's just very eye-opening and just insightful. It's really it's very, very good. I'm going to put, I'll put the at of your Instagram account um, in the bio of this episode. So everyone should just go check it out, read it. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So thank you for creating that platform. It's really, really awesome. And so the last question I have is an advicey question. And I know you definitely did talk about this when you were telling your story, but um, what advice would you give to families going through um, similar situations right now, um, obviously can't, um, families who have a child who has cancer or just any type of illness similar to that, um, what advice would you give to those people? Right now, I know is a really weird time. I can't imagine going through something that I went through with this going on. It's just that added layer of stress and not knowing what's going on or what to do or what the best situation is. But really the only thing that you can do is go with your instincts, go with what you think is going to be the best outcome. And if it doesn't work out, try, try again, just having that fighting spirit and being able to keep pushing through when you get knocked down, stand back up, Don't let this knock you off your feet. You have to, in something so, in a a battle between life and death, like this, like my situation, my sister's situation was, you just have to keep fighting like hell. Like you just got to, you, it's just something you have to just keep fighting, keep pushing wake up every day, push yourself a little bit harder, even when you feel like you can't anymore. Because there's so many people behind you that will support you, even when you feel like nothing else will work. There are so many new innovations. There's so many doctors out there. There's so many amazing people that are there to help you. If you just ask for it, if you just are willing to keep going, you will be okay. That is some amazing advice. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me and just sharing your story with everyone. Um, I know it will help so many people. Um, Plus just an incredible story. So thank you.
guys, I hope you all enjoyed the episode as much as I did. And just another huge thank you to my guest, Ava. Her and her sister and her family are just so incredible. And just hearing their story is, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Her sister is so, so strong. And as well as Ava and Jackson and her parents and her grandparents. It's just such an amazing story. And as mentioned earlier, please go check out Ava's capstone, um, her blog, The RVA, Purple Perspective. I've, I've obviously read her blog posts because they're incredible and they're so moving hearing these kids' stories um, and just everything they've been through. It's it's. It's amazing, simply amazing. So please go check that out. Um, and to just transition a little bit, um, if you guys would like to support Humans of James River, you guys can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Humans of JR Pod. Um, I also have a GoFundMe page that you can find on um, on the Instagram and the Facebook page. You can also leave a comment in... Um, or I guess a review and a rate for the podcast on iTunes, if that's how you listen to it. Um, That just helps. I think it helps to boost the podcast so more people can find it. Um, And that would just mean a whole lot to me. And it's winter break. That's super exciting. So (laughs) I hope you guys are all enjoying just some time off from school, catching up on sleep or work or anything like that. Um, and spending time with family, enjoying the holiday season. Um, I really hope it snows. Like, I really, really hope it snows. So we'll see. I I have faith. (laughs) So, yeah, I hope you guys are really just enjoying this time off, relaxing, just de-stressing, because I know just school is craziness. But, you know, I'm always here if anyone needs to talk. If you would like to be featured on the podcast, you can DM the Instagram, um, email at um, humansofjamesriver at gmail.com. Um, I believe there's also a contact card on my web, on the Humans of James River website. <laughs> and that's just um, humansofjamesriver at um I mean, humansofjamesriver.com, what am I saying? <laughs> um, but yeah, and also my phone number is in the bio of the Instagram. If you just need to call me or text me, because I'm always here. If you guys need someone, there's a resources tab on the website as well. If you need some help, um, there's a ton of outlets for you. Sorry if I just rambled a little bit <laughs> and just self promote <laughs> But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and are enjoying your break again. And yeah, I'm excited. We're going to 2021. This is, oh my gosh, this is the last episode of 2020. Wow, that's insane. Hopefully 2021 will be a better year. (laughs) Hopefully there will be a a vaccine. Um, We'll see what happens with school. But it was great talking to you guys. And I hope you all enjoyed And yeah, until the next time, bye.